0: and we are live hey kylie how are you doing
1: good how are you
0: doing pretty good having a good day guys welcome to the podcast we are talking today with kaylee urbaniac who is the author of the site Uh, she's also an editor as well Um, she's also into yoga she got her bachelor's degree at the university of colorado colorado springs uh, did a lot of traveling, and then got her master's degree for publishing from Western Colorado University. And she has a lot of things that she's involved with. I have read her uh, novel, Site. Is this a, your official debut novel that you would, would you say?
1: Yes, my debut novel in the Spirit Walker series. Um, yeah, it's my first uh, novel as an author.
0: Nice. So. Yes, yeah, it's just a, um, the transition from editor to author i'm sure that <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of fun um but i i was interested in the fact that you did yoga and we were talking earlier before the podcast started about uh you doing hot yoga and uh i don't know uh, there's a lot of people who have different ideas about yoga practice or so some people are on the more spiritual side some people are on the more physical side um there is this kind of theory that um what did he say that The process that we think of as doing yoga isn't actually yoga. Yoga is actually what you do with your body after you've done yoga throughout the day because you're aligning your body with everything else. So Mm -hmm. uh, what what got you into yoga in the first place?
1: Yeah, so a a few years ago when I was in college, uh, I was a runner and I kind of needed something to supplement my running and something that was like active, but kind of like an active recovery. And so that's kind of how I found hot yoga because it's definitely a challenge, um, but it is a lot of stretching and it is also strength building and flexibility and all that stuff that as a runner I I needed. Um, and now I'm not so much of a runner; I'm more of like a yoga, Pilates type of person. Um, and yeah, I just really fell in love with it. I think with hot yoga, especially, it's really hit or miss, like some people will just fall in love with it. And other people will be like, "Ew, I don't want to be in a 110 degree room, <laughs> with <laughs> the humidity turned up. I don't want that. So yeah, um, but I, it is it's like about that mind body connection, like for yoga as a whole. And yeah, it's also a, a workout thing. Um, and obviously, our idea of it is different than how it was or how it was maybe intended to be. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So you said it is a mind-body thing. Do so you find that that kind of, because when you're writing and as we all know as authors and when we're creating stories, because we're essentially storytellers and there is kind of this, um, it's kind of like music too. It's just kind of, uh, you know, you have the strings, you have the drums, everything else. And it's kind of all of these things mashed together and they kind of have to fit together to make the music. It's kind of the same thing with writing. Mm-hmm. um and you do have to be kind of you have to have your faculties about you you're juggling different plot lines and characters and stories and scenarios and people and places and stuff and it kind of the same thing it all has to kind of fit together do you find that doing things like yoga and any kind of like um either mental or physical or spiritual exercise is that something that helps you out with you're creating your stories
1: absolutely it, it, i think it helps in a lot of ways um for me i i feel like i get a lot of great ideas. It kind of boosts my creativity. Um, when I'm in a class like that, when I'm not supposed to be thinking about writing, I feel like sometimes that's when the ideas come. And for me, it's really about yoga is about discipline. And like, if you're holding a pose and you're struggling, it's like about building that resilience. And I think writing is kind of similar in that way where, you know, if you hit a block or something, um, and it's just not flowing uh, sometimes it's it's about taking a step back, uh, like pulling out of the pose, for example, uh, or sometimes it's about pushing through. So you know, it's it's really about listening to your body or listening to your mind, and um, you know, challenging yourself, but also being aware of your boundaries and being aware of just I don't know, just being willing to push yourself, and that that's just been really transformative for me. Um, doing that in my in my practice and obviously writing just like the physical practice of it is a lot of sitting and it it is nice to just have a little a practice that like gets me out of my chair and gets me moving and gets my mind flowing
0: that's pretty cool because we we all need to get our mind flowing I do know some people they're kind of um they're on those like psychedelic aspect of yoga have you had (laughs) because I do (laughs) yoga and I've never, I I have nothing against it. It'd be kind of interesting if there was a psychedelic experience that was triggered uh, while I'm doing downward dog or something, but I never had that experience. Have you had any kind of psychedelic experiences from your (laughs) yoga practices, or have you gotten to that level with hot yoga? Because I imagine (laughs) the the heat might add to some sort of like It's like, you know, Native American, um, they have those um, huts where they actually intentionally have that heat so they can experience those psychedelic experiences. Of course, they're also on other uh, natural things while they're doing it. Is is there anything close to that that you've ever experienced?
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I feel like, so I do the traditional like hot yoga class, and then I also do like different types of hot yoga. Like I do, um, it's called Hot Power Fusion at the studio I go to. And so it's like a workout inside the hot room. And so sometimes things are just like, I I don't know if I would call it like like that sort of experience, but you kind of check out mentally and like, maybe you have to put your mind somewhere else just to like get through whatever challenging thing you're doing. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that so far to say that, but I mean, (laughs) definitely you get into sort of a meditative state when you're like really concentrating.
0: Right. Uh then nothing now. Hot yoga. I think we discussed that. Uh there's bikram you, I don't, you've seen this thing with this bikram yoga. You watched the documentary on this dude. I just found out about this guy a couple of weeks ago. And for those of you who don't know, uh there is a documentary about this guy named Bikram. Bikram. He does Bikram Yoga. He has hundreds and thousands of people who are attending his yoga classes. The guy's like 70 years old, looks amazing. I hope I look like that when I'm 70 years old. But he kind of got to his head. And this, like, literally this guy says that women, <laughs> it's really sad. I really shouldn't be laughing about it because he's actually a kind of a horrible person. But he said that there are women who would give millions of dollars for his, his, his essence, let's put it that way. And Ugh. there's a lot of allegations against this guy. Like, there's that kind of stuff, uh, you know as a person, as a woman, as a, you know, obviously a person with, I I would hope, some moral compass and moral conscience. When you hear of people doing things like that, does that kind of, like, does it give you inspiration to go, uh, uh, or does it it give you inspiration for, it might be a character for the future that we need. If I need a good villain, that would be somebody with that kind of ego.
1: Right, and that kind of, like, manipulation tactics. Like, he, he, and he just would get all these people to come in and he was just sitting there himself like drinking water but people would go to these long uh like week-long trainings and he would say you can have like one like one uh, i don't know a certain amount of water a day and like people would be in a hot room all day long sweating and he it was just like the control aspect and not just in in the yoga sense but like in control of women you know after after class he would tell certain women to come and see him in his room and just so disgusting <laughs> um yeah. and and also just the fact that he tried to take this practice um and bring it to America uh which in and of itself i don't think is wrong but just in the way that he did it and tried to control the whole narrative and like name it bikram yoga and <laughs> add, it's just the the control part of it is is crazy and I mean, it it is kind of cultish if you think about that sort of thing and, and the power that he had. And definitely that's super villain behavior <laughs> that you could bring into a, a book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't, like the uh, the amount and level of narcissism behind that. And it's also kind of psychopathic too, because mm-hmm. you, you have to be kind of psychopathic too. You know, you're basically dehumanizing and dehumanizing people who put their trust in you.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. to, to
0: help help them out spiritually, physically, wh- however it is, uh, I can't think of. Uh, I mean, when I study villain psychology for some of the stuff that I write, it's one of the things. Psychology is like huge for the kind of cold series that I have. It's it's kind of the bedrock of one of the main villains. He's actually a clinical psychologist, so it, it's it's so weird to hear how things can be abused in that way. And mm-hmm. you know, fortunately, you 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 didn't have to experience any of that. And uh, so you have no psychedelic experiences, but you have had paranormal experiences, I've heard through the grapevine. Funny and interesting thing, when I was doing research uh, for you to get your background, there was two (laughs) videos that came up. One of them that came up was about the, uh, it was a clip or something about your paranormal experiences. And then there's the other one of you getting your ears pierced, which (laughs) was, just had this look like, <laughs> it was was it that bad of an experience because you did not look happy at the, at the end of it
1: I don't even know what video you're talking about the ear are but I will say if I'm doing anything like I hate needles and so I just like don't want to be there and I I have like multiple piercings on my ears I have tattoos so like I've been exposed to needles but I just hate them and so anytime I'm going into that I'm probably just like like Tensed up and like trying to block it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm
1: sure I didn't look very happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think you. I'm, I'm assuming it was your sister or somebody who was just roasting you. She's like, you want to get tattoos? You can't even get a piercing. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: <laughs> that was probably like one of my first piercings, I would guess.
0: <laughs> right. But you OK, so none of those experiences. But you have to tell us about the paranormal experience because you do write young adult paranormal fiction. And have an interest in these kind of things. So, what what is your paranormal experience (laughs) that you had?
1: Oh, sorry, my dog's barking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There, there Um, it is, right
0: there. There's a ghost that just showed up. Was like, all right.
1: (laughs) I do think my dog can see ghosts. Sometimes he's just like looking in the corner of the room, and I'm like, what is someone there that I don't see? but yes, with the paranormal stuff, um, when I was in high school, I was in student council and uh, one of the activities that we got to do being on student council is we got to have a little, it's like a lock down overnight in the school. Uh, and so we were staying the night in there. And the way my high school w- is built is there's three levels and then there's a basement below that. And then through the basement, there's a tunnel into like another section of the building. It's really weird. Like, I don't I don't think many high <laughs> schools are built like that. Um, but so we were down in the basement and there are some classrooms down there, but we are walking past my friend and I. And uh, we look and in one of the classrooms, we see this woman standing there with like this, like long, like frizzy black hair. And she was just standing there. And then we both looked at each other and we were like, did you, did you see that? And we looked (laughs) back and no one was there. And then we freaked out (laughs) and everyone told us that we were crazy and that we didn't see anything, but it's just, I don't know. I, I believe in ghosts and uh, I don't know. I, I think that that's kind of, I've always wanted to write a ghost story because of that experience. And uh, I've also heard crazy ghost stories um, from other people growing up too. And so all of that combined is, is what kind of inspired me to go in this direction.
0: So yeah, yeah. did you, when you saw this woman, did you just go, oh my God, she's this, this crazy woman is in the basement or that's a ghost or did you say hi, or did you do an EVP? Did you do any of these kind <laughs> of, cause I'm, I would do the, like inspiration from ghost adventurers, <laughs> I'd pull out my phone and start asking questions and then play <laughs> it back later and say, Can, is there anything on here? Or did you, you were just like, no, I'm, I'm done
1: i think initially we were just both really scared because like the way she looked didn't look like a person necessarily like it was kind of like a a few feet back from the door and like it was just kind of like this figure just like standing there and and then like when we looked back nothing was there and so i think just instantly our heads went to like that was a ghost (laughs) and um you know how kids are like there were kids brought Ouija boards and stuff to school. So like I don't know. Maybe that was just my high school.
0: <laughs> was that but an like, elect, was that an elective Ouija your Ouija board day?
1: <laughs> no, it's just the kids on the student council like because they knew we were going to stay there overnight. And there were always rumors that my high school was haunted. So maybe that was also playing in my head. Um but no we we didn't say hi. Uh we <laughs> uh and we did tell our teacher or whatever um because she was like why are you guys screaming and running through the hallway and (laughs) (laughs) she was like oh did you see like a woman in there like was it like one of the janitors and we were like no not the janitor
0: (laughs) nope (laughs) yeah the janitor usually uh probably doesn't lurk in the hallway and this was late at night
1: (laughs) yeah late at night and like think of the like it's it's a basement so there's no you know windows or anything and so it's that low lighting that fluorescent lighting it's just kind of creepy (laughs) as it is.
0: I, I, I take that back. i probably will freak out then. I don't think I'd be doing the EVPs. (laughs) I'd probably freak out. I have never seen, because we both, both of us write in the paranormal world. I've never seen, well, I've never definitively seen any kind of spirits. Although not like in a way of like what you had where you like walking past the door and then there's a, a figure there. It was more of like the, first off two of them were animals <laughs> and one of them was a human so the house this current house when i bought it my uh neighbors actually know uh the previous both. they actually know both previous owners and they're still friends with them so i got to meet them and i would i said like the first year i was here i was like middle of the night there's like this depression at the end of, like you know how you can feel if somebody sits at the end of the bed and i was like there's a depression I'm, i think there's a ghost and it's sitting at the end of my bed at the night and they're like Oh, the cat used to just hop on a bed when we would go to sleep all the time. I was like, Oh, it's the cat. The cat's buried in the tree. Uh, well, from what I was told, then they kind of went back on the story, but I was told that there's a cat buried in the yard somewhere else. I was like, Oh, okay. So there's a, a cat hopping on my bed. A
1: ghost cat.
0: <laughs> ghost cat is hopping on my bed. So at least, I mean, I'd rather that than it be a person. So that's good. The only other one was, um, uh, one of my exes, I, we moved into this, uh, condo together and the day I moved in I was putting stuff in the bathroom and it's just like this image of a guy with a beard flashing in my head for a second and I walked out in the living room and she's unboxing everything I'm like yeah no, I just had this weird thing and when I went to the bathroom it's like I saw a guy had like a beard and he was kind of this tall and whatever she's like oh that's my grandfather I was like wow okay <laughs> so he's, he's checking me out all right so Yeah, those are my only paranormal experiences. I don't think I want anything. At least those were in sunlight and daylight and with animals. Yeah. Creepy creepy women in basements, not so much my kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And well, I mean, I don't know. And there's other experiences too. Like, you know, have you ever been to like a psychic medium or anything like that?
0: I have not. So tell me about your experience.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I've been to... I don't know. My family is big into like tarot cards and things like that. So I've been to several psychics and tarot card readers and and things like that. But one time I sat down just to get my tarot cards read and um, the lady was like, Oh, I'm also a medium. And I hope you don't mind, but there's like a a male presence like here. He's like an older gentleman. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, who is that? (laughs) And he, the things that he was telling her, um, like, This is such a random thing, but with my grandpa, whenever we would visit, he would always make us or take us to go get ice cream. And it was like, he's being really encouraging about like my books and things like that. And then at the end of the the conversation that she was hearing, he said, make sure you go get an ice cream cone today. And I was like, that's a super strange connection. (laughs) Like, I don't think she was just saying this at that point, because like, why else would you? Bring up the ice cream cone thing. So I think that I talked to my grandpa <laughs> at one point through a medium. As so,
0: yeah. Well, well, again, nice to know that the grandpas are watching over us from <laughs> yeah. from beyond. They're like, get that ice cream, and uh, yeah. So you've had these paranormal experiences and uh, writing, and uh, how many, how much of this kind of bleeds into any kind of storytelling you're doing? Because you do write young adult paranormal.
1: I well, I did put a a ghost in the high school. Like I liked that idea in into my uh, my book. I didn't necessarily make it the same type of situation that right. I was in personally. And I think the rest of it though is all just kind of my imagination. And like I do love watching those like ghost hunter videos, so maybe I get some inspiration from that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, kids in my town especially. Um, so the town in my book, Katori Springs, is based off of the town Manitou Springs, which okay. is a real place in Colorado. and uh there it's like kind of understood that at night it turns into like a ghost town and there's ghosts everywhere. <laughs> um and you know, as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, I believe it. Uh, and so that's kind of my inspiration for the town. And so I kind of took some stories from people that I've that live in manitou springs and they've told me these ghost stories and so a lot of those did make it into the book um and also you know you read the book it kind of starts out with the this mention of the coffin races right and that's that's a real event that takes place in manitou springs as well and it's based on this this woman who passed away was buried up in the mountains and then her coffin fell all the way down the mountain and so now they recreate it with coffins and they dress up as her it's it's weird (laughs) but (laughs) so I mean I took a lot of inspiration from that town and all the weird quirks and like all the ghost stories that I've heard coming from that town
0: when I die uh, depending on how I die I want to be honored in which especially if it's a very weird manner that every year there'll be (laughs) a recreation of the way that I die (laughs) but yeah uh, that's a, that's an interesting and that it, it, like like you said it is in the uh story that you're telling the site and um we're not going to give away anything but um it, i did find some of the quirks in of the characters and some of these quirky things about the um the area that they li- the area that they live in and and the, how life works there because you're from i believe i guess a midwest western background i guess and i'm an east coast kid and it's uh it's there's slightly different. There's some things that you know, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. We don't have it's not quite like that over here on our side of the world. But one of the things that you definitely got down, because it is also not it's not just paranormal, it's young adult. Mm-hmm. And it's the young adult relationship that I found with uh the main character, Marceline and Tag, who is her love interest in the story. And the thing that really it, it's funny because it struck me because i i you read tag at the beginning and he is football player football star you know the dad's kind of like but then the the kid is he's good at football he wins the game and dad's like all right you know and (laughs) and and like the interesting thing is i don't know if you found this but typically speaking like recently um i have noticed that characters like like, I like even in the, the recent Velma series and now we're getting into uh, we're getting into dangerous territory here the recent Velma series was, and there's Scooby-Doo right there as I grew up hey. I grew up with Scooby-Doo um because I'm a 90s kid and a Gen Xer and then you know Fred was distrapping you know and I I got that kind of feeling from reading the story too because it was like Ghost Adventures there's this this quirky group of kids and he was kind of like the Fred but now if a character like that, there's a tendency to kind of make them the butt of a lot of jokes now instead of who he was. So I'm reading and I'm like, I was like, okay, when is she going to make him the idiot? When is she going to do this? When is he going to cheat? Oh, here it comes. He's going to cheat. Oh, well, okay. Well, you know, so is, did that kind of come into your mind to think when you were writing this character in particular, like he's the hot guy, he's the prototypical football star and should I make him this way or should I make him that way?
1: Yeah, I I think it's funny that you thought of him in that way. And you were like expecting him to take a totally different path. Because for me, he, I always wanted him to be that character for Marceline that she could rely on, like in this world where everything's crazy. And she's finding out that she has these powers, she can talk to ghosts, and she's meeting all these other people. Um, and her perceptions of everybody else is is changing. I wanted him to be like that kind of Constant support for yeah. her, and so I didn't. I didn't want him to be like the butt of any joke, and and I I I kind of like that though, <laughs> right? Maybe, um. But my my editor um, when she was reading it, she's like, I just really liked him as a character, being just like that rock for her, um, and being kind of leaning into the stereotype a little bit, and like I I definitely felt that leaning into like the jock stereotype. Right. And just like nice guy. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with having like a nice YA love interest.
0: <laughs> yes. of, yeah. He doesn't have to try to tie her up or <laughs> yeah. that have to like be the really, the real problem in her life is, is this dude. Because I, again, I, I was reading this kind of expecting it because you see it so often now where yeah. those characters are, you know, they're, they're kind of cliches, But now it's almost kind of a cliche to comment on it being a cliche, so it's kind of going back to no, they're just there are just decent guys sometimes. Yeah, hidden agenda behind them at least.
1: Yeah, and and I wanted them to like, especially going into like the second book, I wanted them to be able to have real problems that kind of ground it in reality, Um, and it's not just all magical problems that Marceline's facing. And like, for example, in in book two, her boyfriend is tag is going away to college. and so there's that whole dynamic too that is a, a real thing that a lot of teenager relationships have to go through and yeah, I just wanted that like real reality to come in and and he was a good place to to insert that
0: yes, and since he is, you know again again, he's the uh the strong strapping type and Marceline's kind of she's, you know kind of off on the side she's like it's the it's not really stereotypical because you actually rarely ever see it even though people think they see it a lot of the kind of the the nerdy girl but she's she's attractive but she's a little nerdy and then there's the jock guy and you know is there is there anything that you drew upon about hmm have you known from any friends or anything that here's a nerdy girls see what Marceline did she got tagged
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is how
0: you, this is how you get the hot guys, girls.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that's a common thing for girls or well, not just girls, anyone to like, especially when you're younger to put that person you have a crush on, on a pedestal and be like, oh, they would never like me. Like I'm not cool enough for them. I'm not attractive enough or, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that especially as a reader like it's kind of satisfying when that person who's who thinks that all this could never happen when it happens Mm. um and I think that part of that is that she wasn't afraid to be friends with him first and I think that like if if you put people on this pedestal and you're like oh they'll never like me and you like don't talk to them um it just it's not going to work out if you if you don't put yourself out there and what tag really liked about Marceline was that she um was really nice and that she you know cared about her friends and um yeah and so look those are qualities that he he liked in her and obviously her looks are you know he he liked how she looked but he also just liked who she was and that she put herself out there so yeah
0: yeah so that is the secret it's a secret sauce everybody (laughs) have you seen these uh I didn't even know this was a thing that There are people who do, they shoot their shot. I'm older, so I don't do all this TikToking stuff. But there are people like, I'm going to shoot my shot at some random person on social media uh, just to try to win a date with them. Have you seen any of this?
1: Yeah, I have.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Do you know anybody who has done this? Uh,
1: No, I don't. I kind of, those videos were like, I also hate those videos where like the guys just out and they're like oh, can you, like, sh- give me your best, like, pickup line or something? Yeah. And, like, oh. <laughs> um, But I kind of, I think that you don't have to do any grand gestures to, like, pick someone up, you know? Like, I don't think Marceline really did anything super crazy to to get tagged to like her other than just be herself, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy these days. Like, <laughs> usually there's always something that, that or like people think that there has to be something big to to draw someone to you and that's not always the case
0: yeah she didn't have to go through any instagram filters to uh to get her to get her love interest to take interest in her um again that but you also show a lot of uh teenage miscommunication because that does happen it happens in every relationship but especially when you're teenagers and then uh uh-oh you know you're, you're jumping to conclusions because you see something or then somebody doesn't isn't all hey how are you and they're kind of in a bad mood and then you go oh uh, I mean have you is that like I don't know what your dating experience is or what your dating life is uh, but is that something that you can like based off of things that you've had from your experience and when you were dating and your dating life especially in high school
1: Yeah, and I think that that's true just between friendships too, especially in high school, is like just reading things wrong, like, and also not communicating when you need space, um, and then reading that space as like, oh my gosh, they are mad at me, or like I did something wrong, Um, and so I I wanted to, again, like with that real, like adding that touch of reality in there, and and Marceline and Tag do have their struggles where uh, you know, she thinks if she sees him talking to his ex, that, oh, that means that he's, he's gonna go back to his ex and leave me. Or, or he thinks that like when she's pulling away, that something's wrong. And I mean, he was, he was right. Something was wrong, <laughs> but right. it wasn't anything wrong with their relationship. Um, but those, those are the sort of things that couples have to work through. And um, I know in my relationship that we, have to uh, over communicate at times and just and I mean that in a sense like if if I need space or something, I'll just say like, hey, I'm just like going through something and and I just need to have a have a day or something where I'm just like kind of in my head and then um, have those conversations if I don't know. I, I think that there's like a level of sharing that you do with with your significant other.
0: You know? yeah, and if you don't have that space the th- it's kind of the thing of your resentment kind of can go off on the person that you're in a relationship with and it might not be directed towards them but then if, if you're not getting the space then it does become towards them it's like and now you're another stress on top of the stress that I'm already dealing with and mm-hmm. again it kind of goes back to what you said about communication if you can't communicate those things or you're I don't want to say overly sensitive, although maybe that's what it is. But if you go to any kind of, oh, you're you're not 100,000% happy to see me all the time, every day, every instant, then something must be wrong. Then I did something wrong or something's wrong with you. It's probably not going to work out too well uh, if you mm-hmm. don't have that kind of communication. Is that something that you would suggest doing uh, earlier in the relationship when you're you're getting things are getting more serious that you have those kind of conversations
1: right so like early in a relationship if you start noticing you know if someone's less excited to see you one day or if they're a little bit more withdrawn um i think it's okay to to just acknowledge that and just say are are you okay like i just noticed like you're a little off today um and not kind of take it personally if someone's acting a little bit differently um Because, you know, obviously you're a big part of their life if you're dating somebody, but their problems aren't all centered around their relationship. You know, we're all people, we're all humans. We all have issues and problems that in every aspect of our life. Um, And sometimes just checking in is enough to open up that conversation. And um, sometimes it might just be you understanding who you are and just saying like, hey, I, I know that I need space or sometimes people need to vent or whatever it is that you need when you're going through a problem. Um, letting your your partner know or your significant other know. Uh, I think that's just a great way to uh, improve your communication because yeah. those things are going to come up and it's never, it's not always going to be happy 100% of the time.
0: It's not going to be happy 100% of the time.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: We were lied to. I was told, I was told it's happily ever after, man. What is, what is this? <laughs> and it's funny because that's a, that's a storytelling trope. And uh, like, how, how do you find yourself when you're writing to you, know, sometimes maybe I'm steering too much towards a trope and maybe I need to, here's where I need to, and then here's where I can kind of go off the path a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I think tropes are there for a reason. Um, I I like using tropes here and there. Um, as long as you're not using them in excess, like it's not like everyone can predict every little thing that's going to happen from this point on. I like personally to use a trope and then lead someone to think that, oh, it's going to end this way and then right. you can go the other way. Um, but you have to deliver on some tropes. You know, there's, there's some things that, um, I mean, you can't just like, give everyone false promises all the time and right and (laughs) you know there has to be some things that that work out how the reader expects them to especially in urban fantasy or in just fantasy genres um where there are a lot of tropes I think you have to deliver sometimes but uh, while keeping it exciting and putting twists on things
0: are you suggesting that possibly a certain movie maybe we'll call it uh, the Last Jedi. You probably shouldn't subvert tropes that much because people go in and going, I want to see this kind of movie. and you're going, you know all that stuff you want to see.
1: <laughs> Throw that in the garbage, literally yeah.
0: doing that. And <laughs> I mean, uh, do you think uh, like in a situation like that, or there, and there's t- not just to pick on poor Ryan Johnson. He's been picked on enough, but um, but in situations like that, does it? When somebody takes something that you're expecting, I want this kind of experience. Like when somebody's reading the site, I know what I'm getting into because why paranormal fiction? I see the cover, I know what kind of story I want. Is it good or bad storytelling? To go, this is my opportunity to do something to stir up the pot. And like, is that the point of storytelling, or is the point to tell a story? It, I think there's probably multiple minds on that or multiple thoughts and theories on that i think sometimes especially when you're dealing with franchises like that or you're dealing with something that's heavily genre specific to go in there and basically thumb your nose at your audience which is what it feels like to the audience you can just see the reactions online to it i don't know personally for me if that's something that i would ever want to do um do you think it's da- damaging or do you think it's kind of brave to do and uh try to change the change the genre a little bit like that.
1: I think it's it's kind of risky to completely pull the sweep the rug out from under your readers um because readers know what they like and they know they're they're reading this genre for a reason because they like, you know, if they're reading romance for example, they like the happy ending or they like, you know, the the first kiss happening at this point in the book or or whatever. Um and And not delivering those things is risky because it could definitely turn your readers off. Um, and I I understand experimenting and and not falling into all the tropes. Um, but I, to, to some degree you have to, you have to, because if it's too experimental, it's no longer falling within that genre that you're setting out to fall into.
0: Um,
1: and and genres are important because that's how your readers find you. That's how, and, and if you're going to say you're writing in a genre, there's just certain things that you have to, to do to fall into those genres. Otherwise it's not that genre anymore. It's something else.
0: Yeah. What would you uh, distinguish or how would you distinguish between what is a trope and what is more of a cliche?
1: Oh yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think tropes, are definitely kind of plot based like um I, I, like you know you have the hero the hero's journey is there's different tropes that you can do with the hero's journey um and and cliche is more like like for example, tag the main character I use I did fall into a lot of cliche care like characteristics of you know the the jock um. And the nerdy girl, like that—that that right. is a trope right there. The the jock and the nerdy girl trope getting together, uh, and I think it's—I don't know—that's that's a good question. <laughs> I feel like I'm not answering it great.
0: Yeah, I have. I, I, it's something that I kind of—I'm a huge fan of The Walking Dead, and yeah. I I picked up on it late, but um, I picked on it when everybody else dropped. I picked up when Negan smashed in Glenn's head and I saw it on social media I was like I gotta watch the show which ironically enough I have come to find out is when everybody else stopped watching it so I'm (laughs) like okay but then that like I would for me personally I would kind of describe it this way if you take The Walking Dead as an example so there's the the genre of zombie stories and Mm -hmm. this is this is the genre and it has different ways you can do it but tropes of it would be you know surviving fast but that's not necessarily what the story is about the walking dead is more of a story about dealing with loss and mm-hmm. losing loved ones that's kind of like the bedrock of the whole is why everybody liked it i, I don't know if many people realize that but a kind of it's not a zombie show because if it was i probably wouldn't watch it because i'm not interested in that i was interested in what was the theme of what were the themes behind it and the cliches of the zombies chasing you and this stuff sometimes they get away from that um but i I, I, w- I would identify it like that like the lord of the rings is not about hobbits <laughs> it's about mm-hmm. that's the genre that it's in um there are tropes of an action movie but what a, a story is actually about uh especially uh, tolkien's original uh the original books um it's really about friendship and about written from somebody who lived through world war ii and had friends die didn't come back and you know they're back again which is the whole journey which is the metaphor for world war ii uh, so that's kind of how i would see the difference between some of those things because i think these those words can keep, be kind of interchangeable sometimes mm-hmm. um and you as an editor what are some of the biggest <laughs> word misuses that you have as from your putting on your editor cap now um like when people like misusing um certain words like screech or something or, um, you know, just just common editing mistakes that you find uh, where people yeah. just misuse words over and over again. I know my editor has, my editor <laughs> definitely has hers.
1: <laughs> I think one thing that a lot of, uh, especially like newer authors don't or, or use incorrectly are dialogue tags. So like, for example, they'll say like, yes, he sighed or like, yes, he smiled you if you can't smile a word or or you know you can't right. um and so like using those things um as dialogue tags you can still have those at the end of a dialogue or you can say he handed her a glass and said or like i don't know it'll be like you know they'll say a, something in, di- in in dialogue and then just say handing something over and just like not actually you have to have a speaking verb
0: there has to be some action involved with it that's why I have I I always keep (laughs) this is always on the desk because I'm like (laughs) okay wait a minute how would I do that let me make sure I'm doing it right and it depends on the style that you're in of course Um, Mm -hmm. but it's funny to me that there are um, because if you look at writing writing has changed definitely especially in my lifetime because I grew up uh, I read a lot in the 90s and the style was totally different now because in the mm-hmm. 90s there was a lot of description especially I loved Clive Barker uh, Stephen King and there's loads of now if you now we went to that book conference in uh, Vegas uh, the 2020 20 books to 50k conference and I remember going to one and people like if there's a wall of text you don't want that because nobody's going to read that it's going to be a blocker for people to read and I was like I grew up reading so that's what I, that's the part that I liked. I liked reading like what the place smelled like and what the uh, what everything was. I noticed that that you have that in, in the site, too. Like there's uh, especially when you talk about the color coding of how the magic works in there, uh, that there that gives like a tangible. OK, I, I, I can see the color thing. I can kind of feel what's going on. Uh, were you aiming to do that with the magic in your story, or, or do you, do you find that from your paranormal experience or your interest in ghost stories that that kind of influences how you're you're constructing the the logic of your world?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, the whole magic system uh, took a lot to to consider, um, and it's it's interesting starting out a new project because originally my idea for this was like, oh, I just I want to write paranormal. I want there to be ghosts. I want you know there to be this power where you can see ghosts. And then I was like, oh, let's just make her a witch. Oh, and while I'm at it, let's just add two other types of witches to the story as well. Oh, and like, I just kept like, it just kept spiraling out. Um, And that's the fun part, but then you do have to bring logic into it and develop that system. Otherwise it's gonna all be a mess. Um, and so I kind of had to make my like rule book and like make it tangible. And make it easily understood by the reader. So, like something like the co- the colors um, is just and and like having these bands on the wrist and making it visual. I think is really important. And like you were saying, yeah, it's 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 less. Um, you know, uh, it's it's. I feel like today writing is more dialogue heavy, and I think part of that is just everything is character focused um, and like relationship focused. Uh, and like like you were saying with the walking dead and and things like that um and the the big success of those is not that it's a zombie story it's the the characters put into these situations and how they respond to it right um, and so yeah just like putting you know visuals to it and like making your characters feel real and making the magic feel as real as it can for a magic world is important
0: it definitely is important and there's there's an interesting thing i wanted to talk to you about because you were just mentioning the characters because so marceline's got her her group of friends and um that that relationship again is separate from her relationship with tag comes across in the story too and those friendships are very important as especially if you're having a female protagonist and we are obviously uh, well can i say obviously anymore probably can't but (laughs) i am a male you are a female but we both write stories with a female protagonist and this is something that i've experienced and i've experienced since i started writing the kind of series is i there, there are quite a <laughs> quite a couple people who are like you can't write that story and I'm like why can't i write this story it's like you're writing a story about an asian female i was like The story is not about her being an Asian female. It's when I, because when I concepted my story, it just came in five seconds. I knew who she was, what she was, and what the story was. It's like, that was just how the character appeared to me. But there are a lot of people who feel you can't write that. And I think there's a difference between when you're writing characters and when you're creating these stories with these relationships between people that my focus in these stories is the relationships. They could be anybody. It could be, the story could be with three dogs and I could write the same kind of relationship storyline with three dogs it's a focus is on that there is a difference between writing a story about a particular character in this case a female character and writing a story that is about being a female mm-hmm. um how much of that now you as a female have a different perspective than i would have in writing that story so do you find that there's a little bit more of an advantage or things that you can pull on that you can go I can do that. I I know that and other females will know that, but guys, like the the only one I remember is because (laughs) my ex used to talk about Her friends talked about this all the time was certain things with their bras that I I remember them having conversations about. I was like, I'm putting that in there because that's something (laughs) guys, we obviously we never have to deal with with that. And there was like the, the bra strap was like, that that was like a part of the story between the ladies in there so is there Mm -hmm. is there stuff like that that you include with uh, Marceline and her friends that it's like this is stuff girls and females are going to know just because we just know
1: yeah and I I, and I I like what you're saying is like yeah it's it doesn't matter necessarily who it is it's just like I mean it's important who this person is it doesn't matter like what if they're male female like but that does come into play with how this character experiences things Mm -hmm. and so like right so it's it's a girl and so she's going to have like especially she's kind of like an action you know protagonist she's going to have these things that come up that maybe a man wouldn't have to deal with in like a you know in in a fighting uh context um and and yeah i mean everyone is different and so every every female is different every every character has to have something about them that makes them feel real. And that's another thing that I tell authors, like when I'm editing a book is to make sure that your characters have enough of like a uniqueness about them. So that say, I feel like there's some authors who have characters and you could just change the the name
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, on the dialogue tag and it wouldn't make a difference because the dialogue is so bland that it doesn't, reflect who that character is who's speaking. Right. And so if all your characters sound the exact same, it's kind of one note. But if you give your characters just these human qualities that that make them different from each other, um, that's, that's more of a relatable story. And that's what helps with side characters becoming people's favorite characters. Like I had, you know, there's always people that love the side characters maybe more than the protagonist. <laughs>
0: yeah, there, there are um, a lot of Daryls in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing is like your side characters are, you want them to be fully fledged people too and like to have their own goals that they're pursuing um, and they're not just there to support your main character. You know, they have to have things that they're trying to do as well and of course they're, they are, you know, as the author, like they are there to support your main character, but to... Add those qualities that make them feel real, um, and yeah. So I, I like that you you did acknowledge that this is a female character that you were writing, mm. and that you added things in there that you know a woman would have to deal with, <laughs> right? Uh, and make those those characters feel real. That's important.
0: Yeah, it's because you have to touch on certain things that you're like in this situation. Is there something? Oh, I wouldn't do this, but I can see from the situation, and I know from you know being around females, you know, I I I know that's something, that I can ask my female friends because I've met females and know certain things, and and can put them in there. But again, it's um you we were talking about writing for female heroes, and you were talking earlier about the hero's journey. This is something that, and I have made sure to do this with my character Kana, is number one, she's tends to be more masculine anyway. She's more of a tomboy. So that's easier for me to not have to go into depth with, obviously I'm not feminine at all. And I can relate more and write more for a female who's leans more masculine uh, in is in that kind of tomboy role. But I did note that there, I have noticed that there's a difference between the females hero's journey and the male hero's journey. And I wanted to see what you thought about this because I definitely wanted there to be I first started writing it kind of thinking of that kind of male uh, hero's journey and a lot of that is going into you know the belly of the beast you know Pinocchio has got to go into the whale to save his father it's a lot of saving your father with the guys it's like you know even something like Star Wars like Luke had to go save his father and, and on and on and on um in the case of the females I have noticed though uh, especially a lot of popular pop culture female characters. Um, Ridley in um, Aliens, Sigourney Weaver's character, uh, goes to save Newt. Uh, Kill Bill, Uma Thurman's character, she goes into the heart of the den, not to save her father, but to save their children often. Uh, Mrs. Brisby in The uh, Secret of Them, uh, Diane Freeling in Poltergeist, you know she literally goes into hell to bring Carol Ann back from the other side. Um, is that something that you have noticed? I have definitely, I've noticed that once I started really looking into uh, the hero's journey and that how, when I looked at female characters, that was a big difference I noticed between the males who were saving their father, the past, and the females who were saving the children, the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the case. And I think those lines are definitely blurring now. Um, but yeah, it's like the the woman's journey is kind of more emotional and it's kind of about self-discovery along the way and both both heroes journeys that kind of have to be something about like saving the world saving so and so saving something um yeah. and even if it's saving yourself from a situation um and but i think that that's like what your strength is like as a as a man writing a, a woman point of view is like is just having a different spin on what that journey is for a female character. And, and again, it's like, not every, every woman is the same. So that's why kind of blurring those lines makes a difference. Um, and, and how it's read and like, like you were saying, Oh yeah, she's more of a tomboy, but yeah, she's just a maybe more of an analytical and more like, and, and like to bring it back to, role reversal, like, for example, J.K. Rowling writing a, a male character. Right. Um, and I think something that she brings to it as a woman writing for a boy is kind of that emotional. Um, and, and, and for him, I felt like, obviously, it's a long series and he grows up in the series, but it is about self-discovery in addition to defeating the villain, in addition to figuring out how to navigate this magical world. And so just bringing i don't think there's anything wrong with writing an alternate perspective as long as you're thinking of those things like thinking right. how your character would think
0: the interesting thing about rawlings too is that a lot of uh the harry potter series especially even as more uh d- dived into in the books is that she there's a lot of father figures there there's a lot of uh it, that she pretty much nailed as far Mm -hmm. as a young, obviously I was a young man, and the relationship to older men who are father figures in your life. And I I always kind of point that out. I was like, well, you know, J.K. Rowling could write that, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's Mm -hmm. obviously a woman. And I think she only has a daughter, or she only had a daughter when she wrote the books that she was trying to take care of. And then uh, conversely, Stephen King, Firestarter, uh, which, you know, obviously is, it's basically a metaphor for females you know going through puberty you know that that, that's the uh the kind of the the layer on top on top of that and i i think sometimes if you have men and women are are more way more alike than they are different our differences though kind of you know at the extremes that's when they really come out you know that's why you get the most violent people are mostly Mm -hmm. men and the you know, people who are more compassionate, you're going to find way more like nursing, you know, you're finding way more women, women dominate nursing far more than, you know, than men dominate engineering kind of things. And it's kind of that separation, but it's, there's a lot of places in the middle where in the mean where they cross and it's, you can kind of empathize with, I might not be, you know, on that that extreme of aggression or on that extreme of compassion. But I understand aggression. I understand compassion. And I can write a story based off on these characters, based off of them going through that emotional journey without actually having to be... That's why you can write a story about... a serial killer without actually killing people you know (laughs) yeah yeah and you can do research and study into uh into that kind of stuff what research and study um because you said most of your story the site is based off of uh loosely based off of your school and your town uh were there any other things that you uh, kind of looked into any other kind of themes that you wanted to get across in that story
1: yeah um for me what was really helpful was like uh looking into uh witches (laughs) like how witches in today's world kind of function right um and like what sort of ceremonies they do um and you know obviously it's it's not on the same extent at all but like the idea of just like ritual like ritualistic magic and um obviously Marceline my main character uh she's a sacrificial witch Um, and, and obviously like to go back to what you were saying, like, I'm not a witch. I don't claim to be a (laughs) witch, (laughs) but you can still like put yourself in those shoes and and write. Um, and I guess the other research that I did, um, kind of comes into the next couple of books. Like I, I I won't spoil anything, but I really was looking into, uh, Japanese culture, uh, for future books. So that Uh that's been a, a big
0: you're crossing yeah. over to my territory.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, it was funny cause I was doing research for that. Uh, like when we met and I was reading your book and I was like, oh my gosh, wow, <laughs> this is, it's very fitting for what I'm researching at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I really love diving into research. I feel like I go into little research holes about random things too. And like, for example, if, if my character is like researching someone i'm like oh how does that process work if i'm gonna be researching someone like what sort of information pulls up on someone and uh and just like adding those details in and and i don't know i'm making it how it how it would be like how how a witch would be in today's world
0: right and there's a um because to speak on that because there's the um psychic that's in the story, the medium mm-hmm. that's in the story. And I, back to almost kind of to the hero's journey thing and, and back to tropes. Uh, one of them is, you know, the the paternal, and then they can be maternal, although I, I was having a hard time thinking of maternal figures that were kind of like, as we mentioned, Harry Potter, uh, mm-hmm. Gan- uh, Dumbledore, and the Lord of the Rings, there's Gandalf, and, you know, Obi-Wan or whoever it is. Um, there always seems to be those but in the female journey, I was thinking about the, the stories and the books and the movies when I was doing research for Kana. And I was fighting it hard to see where there was that maternal kind of Gandalf, where it was there was a maternal Dumbledore. It was always seems to be like the the grandmother characters are a little bit, they're sparse and they kind of appear for one point as kind of this oracle, and they
1: usually die,
0: <laughs> they usually die. Yes. Well, they all die because I think every every single one of them dies. I think, yeah, they all die. But I I, I was just, I just found that interesting how the, um, the grandmother characters, you don't see too many of them in that kind of, um, that wizardy kind of role. Theirs is a Mm -hmm. little bit more, like you said, emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. are you, is that kind of a trope that you're working with throughout your series or are there any, uh, because we don't give it all in the first book and the first story. Uh, mm-hmm. are there those kind of things that you're like okay the next one because we're always introducing new characters are you thinking about okay I'm gonna get this character in story two story three bring in this character to handle these certain kind of uh archetypes I I would say in these in your stories
1: mm-hmm. um I'll say in in my stories I I lean more heavily on female characters um so like you know her kind of mentor uh is is Amina and she kind of is, does have that more, I guess I would say maybe more masculine energy. Um, yep. and, and I kind of liked that for her, that she was kind of not emotional at all. She's like very much to the point, I guess she is emotional in the fact that she gets annoyed a lot. Right. <laughs> um, but, and, and I kind of wanted to have that sort of character to, yeah. So in, in future books down the line, um, her her mother, Marceline's mother will come back into play. And that's gonna be a very different type of, of mentor or role model. Um, and so just there's different things that different characters, different types of people bring to the plate. Um and yeah, like with all of those examples that you gave, like the Obi-Wan, the Dumbledore, the Gandalf, uh, yeah, like they're they're there to be like that wisdom and to guide. And it's also like a way for you to guide your audience to understand, to answer those questions that the reader might ask. (laughs) Like that's what those characters are there for, to help guide your main character to understand something about themselves, something about their magic or the world that they're in, Um, kind of introduce this idea that, or this problem that needs to be solved and then be that, uh, that emotional break later on down the series. You know, that causes the main character to fall into a spiral. yes, we we know that trope <laughs> and yeah, how that and, all goes
0: and it is interesting how because I, I you said that they've they've kind of already been there, so they can get a little bit annoyed, and that's kind of like the mentor figures like and it's much more believable when you like in your story, when you have a mentor figures like really. <laughs> like yeah and they've they've done it so many times like oh yeah yeah you know yeah, this and it's all new for you and mm-hmm. again the main character and us as the audience the readers to be able to experienced that we don't know what this world is but here's a person here's our resource and then they're going to let us know everything we think is either spot on or we're completely stupid and what are you Mm -hmm. doing rookie get out of here so yeah um i I do love those i do love the fact that you have added that in the story and i'm interested in seeing where the mother goes because that was the part that was that was the big mystery not to give away anything but there is a mystery in the um the mother-daughter relationship as opposed to the the father relationship although I was I was thinking of is Twi- what was it? is it the Twilight series? I've never read them I saw one of the movies and the father was kind of like oh. he was just oh dad he's here you're grounded <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, yeah he's ta- like... I'm gonna leave town dad and then like, oh, okay you come <laughs> back home you're you're fired okay I'm still gonna do what I want yeah. to do kind of thing
1: yeah i i mean like the the parent figure i feel like especially in like a young adult type of thing it's like you need to have someone to like have consequences but like they're not really consequences (laughs) and and, you know in this world where like there's much bigger problems like Marceline was either going to not to spoil anything but at the end there's a lot of things happening that could result in people dying and it's like right. if you're grounded you're going to you're going to have to break your father's rules in order to save people's lives <laughs> yep. um but i think it's so important to have those relationships and and add more tension and and like another thing that she's getting in trouble for that seems so small compared to everything else that's going on and uh and yeah and and parents are going to want to protect their kids and even i feel like also it's a common thing in young adult for the parents to not know what's actually happening with their kid right and like in any other circumstance like being grounded by your parents like a big deal um but when you're dealing with you know witches and ghosts that are trying to kill people (laughs) there's bigger problems (laughs) than just like a small teen normal teen point of view
0: Right, and I'm I'm waiting for one one of those stories. I'm just waiting for the parents to be like, "Yeah, we are, we knew, whatever." You know, it's like they <laughs> I knew this that. whole like, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we knew this whole time what you were doing. Yeah, whatever. Well, <laughs> I knew this whole time. time you
1: were running off with a vampire, like in yeah.
0: Twilight. <laughs> well, we are at time, so I do appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Let the people know where they can find you on the socials and all those things.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on my website. It's com, or uh, it's at Kaylee Urbaniac Author on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook.
0: Cool. Thank you very much for joining us, Kaylee. And we will see you soon. Congratulations on the book too.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Th- I'm so excited for the rest of this podcast series. It's going to be awesome.
0: Thank you. See you guys.